10 feet down in the Matthew Ridge divot at the McAlpine Stadium. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, and it's very, very good to be back, my very good friends. And I hope you all had a lovely Christmas uh, and New Year. Uh, we're back for 2021. The cemetery returns, uh, and we're, we're kicking off with... We're going a bit niche, I must say, to start the year. We're going back to 1995 to the World Cup semi-final. Australia 30, New Zealand 20 after extra time in front of 16,608 people at Huddersfield, and they were very lucky people indeed. Uh, Gazzy, this is a very, very unusual game from a very, very unusual time in the game. But most of all, it's just good to be back talking about old football again. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? We're back and this is the era you want to step in. We're stepping into the era of young Andrew Johns, young Brad Fittler, um, young Stacey Jones, all these sort of things going on in the world. There's no better place to be, is there? This is the time in the game you want to be at. At a World Cup, one of the biggest events in the sporting landscape, people all around the globe for decades now have flocked to Rugby League World Cups. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of become bigger than the game itself, hasn't it? It just attracts the independent spectators and anyone. It, it captures the imagination doesn't it? I, look, you and I are a little bit kind of jaundiced by our experience. I, I came into watching this. I, I, have to, I have to confess something to you, Gazzy. I am a real international rugby league sceptic. I'd never noticed. I just, yeah. I, I just it have come up. Mm. It just doesn't, it does nothing for me and never has. And I mm. think part of the reason for that is that we, you know, I was born in 1991, you know, so the, the, the period in which I came to watching international football, it was the, like the first internationals I can remember were kind of the late 90s and then the, the 2000 World Cup and all this. And ever since then, it's been Australia just trashing everybody, basically, for mm. the most part, the, the exception being the, the, the 2008 World Cup, I suppose. Mm. Um, and so in my time, it's just been Australia playing New Zealand and kind of either beating them by a lot or reasonably comfortably or Australia playing England and either beating them by a lot or reasonably comfortably, you know, for the most part. Um, and so it's just never been something that I've particularly been interested in or uh, kind of looked out for. But you, you realise, I guess, when you look back through the history, that it didn't used to be that way, right? Like Australia mm. was always good, but Great Britain was very good and um, and France for a time were very good and all this. Like there was it, it, there was a time when it was competitive in a, in a proper sense and it was an exciting occasion that people looked forward to. And we yeah. saw a bit of that when we watched the, uh, the that game from... Uh, 1990 the other day, uh, the the test match. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that's right. Look, the thing is that um, it very much mirrors what happened with the Queensland and New South Wales Rugby League. Is that at the time the Sydney Rugby League and the money and the poker machines came in and it started to accelerate away from the old the old BRL and the QRL and the game really concentrated its sort of power in Sydney. The same thing happened. Um, relative to Australia to overseas. So as all these players mm. started to go into Sydney and starting to get to pay and started to get better, 
than the ones that were in Queensland or the, you know, the Queensland players, best players flocked here and all that sort of thing happened and this comp got better. We also broke away for the same reasons from the English comp. There was more money in this, um, in Australia and in Sydney and everything. So that, that sort of in a lot of ways merited. If you look at the time that the QRL or the BRL drops down and Sydney becomes sort of the big show in Australia, that at the same time, we start to pull away from, you start getting the Invincibles and everything. We start pulling away, um, you know, in the 80s from, from, um, from you know, the English teams. And they, they, there's fans over there that talk about, like, the Beatles were visiting Wayne Pierce and these sort of guys went over there. So, it, yeah, but for most of the history until that sort of split, um, it was competitive. And, and what we've, I suppose, experienced, though, being born, you know, I'm born in 1989 and you're shortly afterwards, is that from the time I can remember watching... Um, Australia didn't lose a major tournament until I was old enough to go to nightclubs. So what you don't get is that, then it's true to that. Like I was, I was mm. old enough. Like by the time they, they actually lost that world cup is that I was 19 years old or I, I probably hadn't turned. I was 18 years old. So what you really get there is you don't get that, culture of growing up and watching it and caring about that result in the same way because yeah, yeah, Australia's going to win. Whereas, mm. you know, our generation, and we're not the best examples of this because we're not super fond of origin, but everyone grew up on, our age people grew up on origin. It didn't matter now when it's become a bit less competitive or probably even, you know, it's, it's arguable it's not even better than international footy now with Tonga and the Kiwis good and everything else, but mm. everyone's so ingrained to it that our generation just think, oh yeah, origin, how good that's that? the occasion. We don't get that it? feeling. Yeah, no, that's we occasion. don't have that test feeling because we didn't grow up with it because it didn't matter. No, that's right. Won. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the World Cup to me, I know mm. nothing about the history. Of, like I, I was reading about mm. this history of the World Cup and I just knew nothing about mm. it. And I knew nothing yeah. about 95 and I couldn't have told you who Australia played in the final. And that, like, uh, yeah. and I think anyone who's listened to this podcast over the last uh, 30 or so episodes would probably acknowledge that I have an above average interest in and knowledge of mm. football. But I just, the World Cup is a non, has, has never been a, it's just a non-event to me, you know. Um, so going back and watching this game was very interesting mm. because it was a complete blank. Mm. Um, I knew that Australia had won in 95, but other than that, I had no idea. Um, I'll tell you a good stat just quickly mm. off, um, off the record if you're interested in World Cup statistics is I think it might, I can't give you the year, but it'll be in the 1970s because I'm pretty sure they had Langlands and Beetson and co playing, is that there was a tied World Cup final that finished in a draw that England won because they finished on more points in the pool. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that a way to decide a major tournament? Not in, <laughs> like, oh God, like, no, not in 72. Go, yeah, that's yeah, it. Just, no, you finished on more points in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Not in 72. Here's a stat for you. You want to talk about competitive. They had two immortals, if not three, in that team. They mm. definitely had Changer and Beetson. And you might want to, I, I might be selling them short. They, they probably had Fulton. Um, I reckon they had three. So, you know, just as a, as a way of going, but we, we, how many immortals have we got now? They did the big batch. It's, you know, it's a bit over 10 or something now, isn't it? So um, yep. Joey was eight. So it must be, you know, whatever, like just over 10, 11, 12, 13 or whatever it is. And what you've got there is of all the players to play the game, three of them played in this, in this game for Australia, immortals of the game, and they didn't win the World Cup. So it just goes yeah. to show, doesn't it? You know, it's, um, and you're right, by the way, I'm just looking now, Langlands, Fulton yeah. and Beetson. Yeah, and it was yeah. an all drawing. <laughs> In front of a bumper yeah. crowd of four thousand two hundred and thirty-one, uh, <laughs> at the at uh, in Lyon, in France. Yeah, you get your money's worth. Isn't yeah, it good exactly. for that neutral, neutral. You know what you and I feel about neutral venues for big matches. I know, <laughs> but it's but even that, you know, yeah. like it was a four-team World Cup, and they play the final in front of four thousand mm. people, and all this. It's just always been a bit of a. I always think of it as a fairly sad old spectacle, and even now, like 
you know, they try and expand it and sometimes it's 12 teams and sometimes it's 16 and all of that, but it's never kind of, it's always a bit of a non-event. Like it's always the, the big sides whipping the smaller sides until the semi-finals and the final. Can Um, I make a point to you though? Can I, can I counter you on that just a little bit? Just a little bit. So I just want to make a little bit of a counter because you're sounding um, a little bit like a rugby union uh, fan there, which I, I am aware that you're not. Can I, can I yes. say, if you go watch a rugby union World Cup, there is no fucking way ever more than four teams can win it. And most of the games are 100 nil oh, no. until they rugby get it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's a thing. You're, I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's a point that's thrown at rugby league as a game that there's somehow there's this joke World Cup as if all these other sports have these super competitive World Cups with 30 mm. teams can win it. That's only soccer. Like, yeah, feasibly course. in soccer, there's quite a large number of teams that could win the World Cup on any given year. And you get weird runs through the comp by teams that aren't that good, end up making the semis and stuff. And, like, you know, in rugby union, would you lose out if you started with the last four, at the very most, the last six, you know? But a lot of the time in our life, the last four. Like, it was always Australia, hmm. New Zealand in the semifinals. And uh, maybe a bit better now as well, to be honest. But when we were, we were young, it was just going to be England, Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand, or maybe France made a run. And so why, why bother having Namibia? And yeah. it, it is similar. but um. No, look, I don't disagree with you, but I do think the last World Cup was very exciting. I think Tonga, um, when people take the time to embrace it, and maybe people a little bit younger than us will, because I admit that intellectually Tonga... I've been to every Pacific test with you in Australia, as you know, mm. we're three-time veterans of going, and I really yes. enjoy that. But I still can't think as though... I can't seriously contemplate that Australia will lose to them in a World Cup. I know they lost to them last year. I still find it difficult to believe it'll happen. But yeah. maybe people a bit younger than us, maybe that next generation, having started to see the Jason Tamalolo's coming through, maybe that will, you know, over the next 10, 15 years become you know, a bit bigger than it has been in our life because last World Cup was competitive. New Zealand have been, New Zealand were beaten by Fiji one or two World Cups ago. Tonga went through and and made the semifinals. They've beaten Australia last year. All of a sudden, you know, there's some competition there and and maybe Mm. the English game will hurt that because that's gone down the gurgler in COVID and if they drop off, that's going to hurt it. But look, it's, I, I just argue that it's never, I don't know that if it wasn't for Australia being just a bit better than everyone, it would it be that different to the rugby, you know? No, that's that's entirely fair. Uh, it's, I, I think you're right, and maybe you know maybe it'll turn because state of origin at the moment. I think most people would agree is not overly good, and there are some people getting picked in state of origin sides now that you know you would have blanched if they, if you'd have thought they were going to get you know there's people almost getting picked from reserve grade. Um, yeah. So, so who knows what this will all look like in 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 ten years time? Uh, I can tell you that in 1995 it was a ten team World Cup. Um, now, I, That's a lot for ninety five. It is. Uh, it is a lot, and it, but you know, one thing you know about me is I love a format and a wacky, mm. a wacky tournament format. And I can tell you, this is a ripper. Ten team World Cup, one pool of four, two pools of three. You're good, good. So, one pool of Australia, England, Fiji, and South Africa. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Then another pool with New Zealand, Tonga, and Papua New Guinea. Mm. And then a final pool, group of death, I think you'd have to say. Wales. Waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> Wales, Western Samoa, and France. You're good. Yeah. France, unfortunately, uh, had a bit of a run of outs. So they lost both games by enormous margins. Mm. 
um, a mark of how, how the mighty have fallen since the, uh, since the Vichy era. But we'll be doing an episode on the Nazis in rugby league one day. Yes, absolutely. The Nazi, that's right. Dissembling yeah. of rugby league. Yeah. Uh, now Australia lost in the first, yep. in the pools, they lost to England 20 to 16 in the first match of the world cup. Uh, Jason Robinson tried the difference between the two sides. Um, now, now which, can which, I was a, which was a mark of yeah. things to come in Australia versus England contests in yeah. World Cups, I should say. Bloody good player, Jason Robinson, at both mm. codes. Um, now, now that's another point is that I was going to make is I feel the same about you. I don't want to seem to be countering you on World Cups being odd. But can I put to you for all the weirdness of agreeing that they're not that exciting or you and I and people our age find it hard to really embrace them. I would challenge you that if we go from 95 on, if we look at the modern iteration of this, but because before that it was still those nonsense tournaments. If if you start Mm. here um, and go through to now, I would challenge you to find a tournament that where Australia or New Zealand hasn't been knocked off. Like at least one of them hasn't been knocked off. Um, by someone that wasn't expected to beat them, which is to say anyone. Um, like England beating them at home here would have been incredibly exciting for the English fans at the time. You've got the Kiwis have been knocked off by Tonga in a World Cup. I think they draw someone in this World Cup, which is odd, and then or go close to losing, something like that. I'll and, come to that, yeah. You know, and the Kiwis, obviously Benji knocks off Australia in a World Cup for the first time in God knows how long. So you, in last World Cup, again, Tonga, Tonga got someone. It might have been England um, or New Zealand, I forget. But... There's always, there is always a result in the League World Cup against one of the only teams that really shouldn't ever lose. They generally do. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I, it, the thing to remember about New Zealand is that they weren't, they'd only made one final in the history of the World mm. Cup at this point um, yeah. in that 88, that 85 to 88 tournament. Never forget the, yeah. the World Cups that spanned over several years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, that was the only time they'd ever made the final. It was very much Australia, Great Britain and France in the early days who were the strength. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'd like to go to the World Cup tour, wouldn't you? In that one, like you know, they do the tours, like Murphy's yeah. taken to the Ashes and the old footy. Pl- my grandma went to this one. My grandma just went on the tour to this one, the mm. World Cup. Wouldn't you like to go to the three-year World Cup, going on Absolutely. like supporters tour, just yeah. three years, just sort of every, every six months? Meaning, yeah, meaningless pool games. <laughs> <laughs> so Australia lost to England in the first game, twenty to sixteen. They then had a hard-fought win over South Africa, eighty-six-six. Um, Tough day for the boot for Andrew Johns, 11 from 16. Um, Things to come. Things yeah, to come. didn't have his boots on that day. Uh, and they then all. Yeah. Scra- scraped past Fiji 66 nil, uh, which mm. enabled them to come second in Group A with four points, um, mm. despite having scored 168 points in three games. Uh, England, of course, finished top. Uh, and then New Zealand, uh, you were almost right. You said they had a draw. They had a mm. 25-24 win over Tonga. In there. there you go. That's a big result. Just, if, if anyone young happens to listen to this, this isn't Jason Tamalolo, Andrew Fafita Tonga. No. I don't know anyone in their team. I had a look. I don't know anyone in that team, I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I had a look a few weeks ago, and if I have a look, mm. maybe there'll be one. I don't remember recognising any names. And they're playing yeah. against, you know, Stacey Jones and, and Matthew Ridge Matthew and these Ridge, guys. Yeah. You know, the, the, the whiz was in the squad. There's, this is a, you know, um, they're not what they are now, the Kiwis. They're a good side. I know all the players, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was a Ridge field goal that got New Zealand home in that game. Yeah, you're mm. right. That would have been a boil over if Tonga had got them there. Yeah. Uh, they then beat PNG 22-6. I don't think you would say that was semi-final form or extra time against Australia form. Very funny mm. that they had to play two games while England and Australia had to play three. Um, mm. They also had a pay dispute in the middle of the World Cup and threatened to walk out. Cause yeah, good. Kiwis refused to... Like, they agreed to pay him money and then said, no, we're not going to stump it up and Ridge was going to walk them out of the World Cup. Um, 
So again, just goes to show like with all that in the background to then rock up against Australia in a semi, yeah, there's question marks, isn't there? Massey Ridge, he might be a lot happier today if he had done that, I suppose, given what was to come. We'll get to <laughs> yeah. that. The, the, we, I just should preface this. It'll take us a while to get to it, but the finish of this game is unbelievable. Um, if you've never watched um, it, we will do our best to describe it for you. Um, yeah. It's just worth it. Australia had won the last four World Cups in a row and seven in total uh, ahead of 1995. But the last four World Cups in a row is is what you're talking about, that by this point, by the mid-90s, the professionalism, uh, the fitness, the coaching, the training, the sports science, all of that had moved Australia quite a way away from everybody else. Um, Mm. And that was starting to show because they were winning the World Cup every single time. But it was a lot harder for them in 1995, Gazzy, uh, because they only had roughly half their players to pick from. Yes. Well, they chose to only pick half their players. Yes, well, that's right. <laughs> they, they weren't allowed to pick them all. So for those who don't know, this is a World Cup where Arco, in all of his, you know, the most loved, beloved of the biggest fan of the kangaroos concept of all time, was prepared to possibly torture winning the World Cup. Also arrogant that he thought they could anyway, and it got a bit tight on him. If you look at the results, yes. um, decided that he was going to leave out the Super League players. So, what happened here is that obviously I don't think anyone listening to this needs to know that there was a thing called the Super League War, and a lot of teams signed with the Super League and some of the ARL. Uh, the ARL tried to leave out the Super League players from representative football. Um, so, what happened was this is very interesting: is that um, they they just wouldn't pick the Super League players. It was a game against New Zealand in the middle of the year. Um, they picked a squad of all ARL players um, and they won because, you know, still Australia. And they go on to the end of the year and the Super League challenges the decision in court and tries to get an injunction and all this stuff saying they have to pick, they have to consider the Super League players. So they've got to consider Laurie Daly, Alan Langer, Glenn Lazarus, Mullins, Renoff, you know, borderline selections, so to speak, yeah, yeah. had to be, yeah, touch and go had to be considered. Yeah. And um, so the ARL, and I could just see Arco doing this with his little, like rubbing his hands and going, we've got him here and having this big smirk on his face, has picked a squad with no Super League player on it, but said, stood there like straight faced and said that this was picked on merit and that incumbency had weighed heavily and that everyone had done the job against New Zealand in the middle of the year. There was no reason to leave him out. And is based the whole thing on incumbency, which if you know anything about Australian rugby league or cricket, actually does carry some merit because of the amount of times idiot decisions are made like that. Mm. So they went on a they went on a kangaroo tour at the end of 1994. Wonderful kangaroo tour, win the series, and he's managed to convince or managed to sit there with a straight face and say none of those Super League players were picked for this next one because of the one-off game they'd won against New Zealand, where they were all left out illegally, as it turns out, like left left out in a way the court ruled wasn't legal but said well no we considered them that's all we were bound to do and we considered them and chose not to pick any of them um and i just don't want to i don't want to let you be influenced by me saying they didn't pick them i'd like to can i give you some names how about we we do that so you you can tell me because i don't want to sit here and say they should have been picked and you just take my word for it so no i wouldn't i I wouldn't i know you're I, i know what you're like yeah. So well, that's right. So we've got a '94 Kangaroo Tour squad. These people from the ARL were in it, and also went on the on the, in '95 went to the World Cup. Pretty mm-hmm. obvious selections, really. Timmy Brasher, Freddie, the Chief, Terry Hill, Mary Menzies, Pay, uh, Jason Smith, and Wishard. So, I mean, that's all pretty reasonable. But there's not um, many of them. What's there about eight? 
no, that's nine. And Spud Carroll also went, who didn't make the Kangaroo Tour, but I believe was it was injured. So we can count that count that one way or the other. Um, so let's look across. And how about I give you who went? Then I'll give you who I'll give you who went in '95 first. How about that? It, that didn't go in '94. So these are players. Oh yeah. So these are ARL the players. Yep. yep. Taken to the World Cup that 12 months earlier couldn't make the Kangaroo Tour at squad of 30. Okay. You ready? Wayne Bartram, Mark Coyne, Spud Carroll. Sorry, you've got me at Wayne Bartram. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, Wayne Bartram, uh, Mark Coyne, Mark Carroll, um, Brett Dallas, Brett Dallas. Dimmick, a very aged Cement Gillespie. Yeah, that's a um, good selection. Yeah. Hopper. Yeah, Hopper. <laughs> Hopper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew Johns, Matthew Johns, Nick Kosseth, Gary Larson, Danny Moore. Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know Hopper was involved. I, I, that passed me by completely. That's fantastic. Well, it's a little bit better than Danny Moore. Jesus yeah. Christ almighty. Um, Billy Moore, uh, Adam Muir, Robbie O'Davis, Aaron Raper. Aaron Raper. And, yeah, and Jeff Toovey. So that's, that's who went. Um, and if I can quickly give you the names on that list that never got picked at any other time, that would be Wayne Bartram, Mark Coyne, Brett Dallas, Jim Dimmick, Hopper, uh, Kosseth maybe might have made it later. Sorry, D- Danny Moore, uh, Raper, and Adam well, Muir. And Adam Muir. So that's out of that list. Um, quite a few of those guys, at least half, never got picked another time. Matthew only ever played off the bench again after this in one test. So he's almost counts. There's a large, over half of those players never got picked at any other time. That's fantastic. Um, Never forget. Yeah, Bart- Bartram and Aaron Raper are up there. I'll tell you that yeah, one. And Brett getting... Dallas. Freaking Brett Never... Dallas. <laughs> Never forget Aaron Raper being left on the bench in yeah. the State of Origin in 97 at the MCG because Tommy Redonicus was up in the grandstand and forgot he was yeah. down there. He forgot he picked him. Yeah. And just didn't put him on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, Bob Fulton doesn't put Matthew Johns or Robbie Owen in the grand, in the final of this World Cup, having put them on in the, in the semi. In the semi. Very hot. 2014. Yeah. 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 Um, so would you like me to leave? So we've, you've, got, you've, you've heard your Bartrams, yep. you've heard your coins. I'd like to now tell you, this is a bit of a coin toss, so to speak. So um, to speak. I'm going to give you some other names. And do you reckon anyone should have made the squad? Anyone on merit? So these, now, these are people who went in 94, but then signed yep. for Super League. Yep. So that's even yep. ruling out people in Super League that might have played well in 95 and not sure. been picked. This is just genuine 94 kangaroo tourists. Bradley Clyde. Yep. Laurie Daly. Yep. Andrew Eddinghausen. David mm-hmm. Ferner. Uh, three knees, Hancock, Alan Langer, Glenn Lazarus, oh, yeah. Brett Mullins, I've heard of him? Yeah, Steve Renoff, Ian Roberts, Wendell Saylor, mm. Ricky Stewart, Kevin Walters, and Steve Walters. Oh. So, if you let me do a comparison on position, they took Mark Coyne um, over in Renoff. the position of ET e. and Renoff. They could ET e. yeah. and Renoff both left out. Um, Danny Moore Laurie, as well played that position. Yeah, Danny, Danny Moore. I was going to say Danny Moore was picked over Wendell Saylor, um, yeah. as was Brett. And Three Knees and Brett Dallas would be another one on that front. Brett Mullins. They didn't. Robbie O was picked over Brett Mullins. Uh, Ricky Stewart was left out for Jeff Tuvey. Um, Kevin Walters for Matthew Johns. Um, Steve Walters for Aaron Raper. That's a good one. <laughs> and uh, Bradley Clyde was left out for Wayne Bartram and Jim Dimmick. I suppose Alan Langer was left out for Andrew Johns, if you want to be legitimate at that time. Joey got in uh, over Langer and, suppose, and uh, Ricky. Very and early I suppose on. Lazarus, uh, Lazarus left out for geriatric cement. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ian Roberts too. So they missed out for Cement um, and Gary Larson, who I'm not sure Gary Larson got picked at another time either. I mean, he's one of those guys that you sort of are pleased did get it if he didn't get picked another mm. time. Yeah, he might have. But he's a good player. Him and Billy Moore. Him and Billy Moore are the sort of guys that you sort of like don't mind getting that if they didn't no, get it. No, I don't mind. Can I say I don't mind good, any of yeah. them getting it? Because it's thrilling. And the fact that they won the World Cup anyway. Uh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's like Fatty's Nevels. Like you go, like mm. would, if Alan Langer had three more Origins, would it be more exciting than like some of those crushers guys that got a game in the? Oh, have you know, a bit like of this. Even getting an Origin game and stuff. Cop this. Can I just read something to you that I've just discovered? You'll like yeah. this. Uh, Larson initially declared his unavailability for the 1995 uh, for the 1995 World Cup due to family commitments. However, he answered a call from coach Bob Fulton to join the team in England following a broken cheekbone suffered by Paul Harrigan. Mm. And after playing in the 66-0 thrashing of Fiji where he scored his only try, he played in both the semi-final against New Zealand and the final. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, well, the, the chief captained his only uh, game in that World Cup. I believe he captained against South Africa. Uh, the time he captained Australia. Because um, him and Fr- Freddie was, that's when Freddie first became captain of Australia for a period. And I, I'm pretty sure the chief, he does have one captaincy. And I'm pretty sure it's that year. It's at least during the Super League period. He captained jury against South Africa. Um, in one off game, so that like that's why I um, wouldn't forget either, easily. Um, captain played, in that sort of town. No, that's right. Eighty six six. He played three more tests. Gary Larson were two against. There you go. Good. Yeah, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, uh, and then a one in ninety seven when the when during the Super League War. Yeah, yeah. But good luck to him. He's a very good player. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, player. and and but I mean, da- Danny one Moore, of the last reckon- people ever to wear the three quarter sleeve. Jersey. Yeah. Um, what the last, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, I think that might be right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Danny Moore just jumps a million <laughs> miles out of the paper because Danny Moore, like, <laughs> if, you, if you'll let me look this up, because I'm pretty sure I've looked this up a while ago. So, Danny Moore, Danny Moore only played 119 games. Look, he only played from 91 to 97. He played orig- four origins between 95 and 97. So, he played all of his origins when the um, Super League players were unavailable in 95 and 97 and didn't get in all of them anyway. Like, he got four mm. across six with all the Super League players out and then scabbed three tests in the World yeah. Cup. Like, it wasn't any good. It's, yeah. just, it's good on him. Again, like, I don't say that to mean he's a, he played first grade rugby league and he's obviously a good player, but he just wasn't, didn't have any business being picked God, he, when he Taylor came, was available. He came, know, back like, and played, he came back and played two two games for the Cowboys in 2001. That's a, uh, that's a moment in time. That's a entirely yeah, passed me by. Um, yeah. Michael we Barney get... style. Yes, well, exactly. <laughs> um, should, we, should, should we get into the game, Gazzy? It's good to have I think, we should... I think that's our yeah. first mention of Michael Barney, and I'm glad it's... It won't it's be our last. About, I think it's taken yeah. about 33 it episodes. It won't be our last. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't take another 33 to do it again. Yes, we should do the game. Um, before we jump in to some specific moments, can I just say this is your absolute classic uh, game of rugby league on meth. And what I mean by that is when you're watching a game and for 65 minutes it looks like something is happening, like that this team is going to win, this team that should win and is always going to win is going to win. And then mm. absolute bedlam chaos unfolds and this weird shit starts happening and all of a sudden the team that has never looked like doing anything and never really should do anything starts getting on these absurd rolls that just don't seem to stop and stuff just come from nowhere happening yeah Yeah, it just keeps happening and 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 it's just like what's going on and for some reason the team that's always going to win can't stop it and doesn't know how to stop it and you know they get out of it here as i'm sure everyone's aware australia goes on to win but it's in extra time and it is just 
the part and then it just happens. Mm. Something happens. It, it, right. we've, all, we've all seen it. Everyone here will know those games where you're yep. like, what the fuck is happening now? Where did this come from? Yeah, there was where just no did it come sign from? Australia, yeah. this is, I, I watched the first half of this and it was dreadful. Like, there's some very good football. There's some absolute mm. champagne football played. But mm. for the most part, there's no atmosphere. There's six, like the stadium's half full. There's very little atmosphere. There's very little sting in the game. The Australia are just cruising, coasting. You know, they get out to what fourteen four at half time. Um, mm. They end up, they score, they end up making it. It's twenty to six with twenty five minutes to go. If you were watching this live, you just go to bed, you know, because and it was an accurate reflection. It was yeah, an accurate yeah. reflection of the game. They had all the yeah. firepower. Yeah, like this, they were the only mm. side that looked like doing anything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and 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 it is. And somehow this, all of this madness happens at the end to elevate it to become this classic and this historic game. Um, Australia scored three tries in the first half. We might, we might talk through them if you like, because there is a bit to get to here. Um, some yes, of the, there is. I will say this, in amongst some fairly flat patches in this match, the, the, there is like some absolute science fiction football played. And mm. the best example of this will come in a minute, but the first try is scored by Tim Brasher. Um, and even oh. that, like, even that is wild. Like, the, oh. Johns gets it at first, oh. at first receiver. Beautiful. And throw, turns his whole body around and throws this reverse fizzing, spiralling pass to Fiddler. It's a 20-metre pass sideways. Mm. And then he kind of drifts a little bit and turns it inside to Brasher, who has a bit to do, goes around the On the double-unders, dummies the yeah, first yeah. time. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The fitless, the double unders, like he's got a 30 metre cut pass from Johns and then just goes under no, under yes. And oh, it's uh, it's beautiful football, isn't it? Yeah. And, and like you said, Brasher had a bit to do. Can I, can I put to you that this is a theory that I've held for quite a while. I've discussed this with one of my, one of my rooster friends, friends who's, oh, yes. a, who's an avid Brad Fittler fan. Can I put to you that, um, Brad Fittler and Andrew Johns are the perfect halves combination that could not possibly be improved upon. As a combination, <laughs> yeah. the combination of their talents and the way they combined, the way they play together and the way they suited each other, you know, combined with the fact that they're, you know, immortal level players, one's an immortal and one's definitely in the conversation. Um, they're just, but they fit so well together. Their synergy yeah. is just perfect. Like, the way Andrew liked to play with width and go long, the way that Fittler liked to be the big running 5'8", and the way he could also, you know, Joey went in and ran it or did stuff that Fittler could take over that other stuff, the way they were willing to defer to each other. They used to, you'd watch and they'd let one take over when they were running hot and the other one would sit back and then they'd swap and they'd combine. They, they, they were perfect. They were mm. perfect. Big bodied 5'8", with a footwork and then Andrew's um, manic sort of aggressive attacking football. Um, you know, it, that that is like you can't improve on them as a combination. That's what I'm suggesting no, to I you. I agree. That's, that's it's your, beautiful. Building it's a, them in a test tube. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah it's a lovely Fantastic. match. They're, they're a yeah. great kind of complement to each other. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. As, they didn't lose a lot of games when they put them together for New South Wales no. and stuff either. They just didn't lose a lot of games when they got them both on the park. That's wonderful. You'd have loved to have seen that. Yeah. You'd have loved to have seen that that pair up against that very good Queensland side that won the eight in a row. You know, like that would have been a really that's your that's your kind of oh, yeah. that yeah. that storm yeah. combo with with Thurston chucked in and then the um yeah the the John's Fiddler kind of combination. Mm. 
um, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. Beautiful with thing. The, two, uh, the other, the other two little lieutenants around him. You get Minicello at his best with Fittler and Braderis with Johns. That's the ones mm. you want to chuck against that Queensland side and see yeah, what happens. That would have been really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just didn't quite time up. Yeah. Just, I, I didn't mention this at the top. Johns kicks the goal and goes six nil. Um, I just not a sign of things to come. But yeah, no, that's right. What are New Zealand wearing in this game? And like, it's good, isn't it? What it looks, we'll put a picture up on on the page. But it looks like a, something. Mm. It looks like the New Zealand lawn bowls team. Yeah, it's good. Well, it was a good time in the game, as you know. There's a lot of the English mm. jerseys were very good around then, and it is. Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean Australia. Uh, Arco again, in all of his wisdom, he loopholed the, the Supreme Court and won out over them, and he also loopholed the Australian government on cigarette advertising because <laughs> he couldn't have it in Australia. So he went to the World Cup with an, a green, standard green Australian jersey with the yellow V, and stuck a giant so on Winfield red patch in the middle of it because they couldn't couldn't do it in Australia anymore. That was the end of the Winfield Cup. And finished and uh, he loopholed around that and got a couple of extra months out of Winfield. The last, <laughs> so the final. Call, what are they doing? Yeah, the final Winfield. Yeah. yeah, the red on the jersey has always right. been very jarring. And some of the support yeah. staff uh, kit Ooh, is, yeah. you know, just entirely red with these enormous Winfield logos. Bozo Fulton's got yeah. a Winfield kangaroos hat on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's good. Uh, it's real good. Yeah, they really over-egged the pudding. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's fun. Well, that's if, if if Winfield isn't your taste, which um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. I suppose if you were, if you I were love abs- Winfield kit. Yeah, I love if Winfield you were a, kit. If you were so a mad, uh, if you were a mad bunger fiend, then I suppose it was yeah. probably right up your alley. Um, well, I've never smoked them. I just love the kit. I just love yeah, yeah, yeah. giant red Winfields on things. It just yeah, well, it's just so gaudy and so out of time. Yeah. Like it, it looks yeah. so ridiculous now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now. That is in the fifth minute. And while there is some beautiful football that leads up to that try, I mean, Brash's run through is fairly soft and it's like the sort of try that you see in, you know, the Gold Coast versus kind of the Dragons on Super Saturday. Like it's not as far as the run like the, and the way that yeah. it goes around the players. Not, maybe not the 30-metre the fizzing cutout pass from Joey Johns. This yeah. second try, I, I've watched this back quite a lot of times and thought about it pretty much nonstop since we watched this game which was a while ago now. Um, It's in the 10th minute. It starts with Gary Larson hit up on the right-hand side. As all good things do. As as, as all good things do. He offloads it to Mark Coyne. Mark Coyne offloads it to to Spud Carroll. Yeah. And and up to this point... (laughs) Yeah. Up to this point, this is fairly standard kind of football. These are things that happen... Promoting the ball. With reasonable regularity Mm. um, in any game. What happens next is that... Spud Carroll throws oh, a 30-metre spiralling cutout pass. But mm-hmm. When I say cutout, it's a hack-out pass. Like, it cuts out about four. Um, yeah. It pitches on the ground because he's just flung it like mad. Mm. It bounces, bounces up to Joey Johns, who tries to control it with one hand, can't control it with his left hand, and so with his right hand, and I'm going to find it very difficult to, to kind of explain this, but the best way that I can is as the ball loops up, he does like a backhand like you would do if you were playing handball in a school playground mm. and kind of scoops it behind him straight into the arms of Steve Menzies who goes through to score. It's like a backhand bat straight yes. to Steve Menzies who goes through and scores 
and it's 10 nil. What? So the play, if you're wondering, so that's how he executed it. To try and give that a little bit more context, the play is what you would see now when the guys get the ball and they look out, look out, and throw the inside ball to the fullback, bursting mm, through. Back on that's the inside, the tra- yeah. Back on the inside, the trail play. But what's happened is Joey gets a cutout, is batting it, and ends up looking outside and drawing his body away like he's still going to go outside, and then does the handball bat back to an absolute steaming onto it, Steve Menzies in that fullback trailing role, who just bursts through the clearance. Of course, it's an incredible piece of skill. I can't um, believe I couldn't believe it. And, and the commentators, yeah. the commentator, and for some reason, where I watch this game on YouTube, and there's mm. different commentary teams for the first and second half, but in the the first half, it's Greg Clark, who now calls the rugby on Fox Sports. And he starts saying how it's very lucky and it was a fluky bit of play. I, I, this may be my Cessnock, Andrew John's bias. No, it's not. No. But I don't think it was lucky. I think he deliberately batted the ball straight. It went exactly uh, where yeah. he wanted it to go. No, the commentators are very hard to... I don't mind because I'm not particularly patriarchal about test... Um, sort of parochial about test um, rugby league. But um, so I don't mind. But commentators are incredibly anti-Australian in these games. They're desperate for yeah, New yeah. Zealand and, and England to win. So they see stuff and they really downplay stuff the Australia does because they want the other teams to, to get up and they really ride the other teams and talk them up. It's like when the Warriors... You know, when you hear the Warriors team, the Warriors commentary in New Zealand yeah, yeah. and they're just, these idiots talking up Charlie Gubb as the next James Graham and all this stuff. Like, it's just not... They just... You get all that yeah. bias. and but So they do talk it down. But no, look, people forget and I won't allow them to. I'll certainly... as <laughs> I goes on to remind them, but but Andrew, um, he finished as this wonderfully polished and, and clever halfback and, and everything else. But in the nineties and the early two thousands, Andrew was fucking wild. Like he played, he played rugby league like like Sanus Jaisaria batted, or you know, like Rishad Pant batted in this <laughs> Test series for India. Like he was, he was absolutely crazy. He did stupid things all the time and got away with them because he was so good. Like these sort of bats on and chip kicking on the second tackle and flicking it behind his own head and stuff. That was how he played for a long time. He was like a genuine, like globe trotter sort of player for a very long time. And yeah. in the back half of his career, he did really crazy attacking stuff, but with a bit of temperament. Um, and for a large part of his career, he didn't, he's just mad. And that's that sort of thing. He's like, instead of controlling this, he's just like, well, the ball's in the air. And if I sort of put my body this way and bat it inside, we're on here, we're a chance. He, his first instinct was always to try and score, no matter what, at any moment. Like, we're always yeah. to try and score here. And There's this no is, settle. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And I think, uh, I think what you should do, Gazzy, I know you've recently acquired some uh, video editing skills. Mm. Uh, I think yeah, what yeah, you ought to do yep. is put this up, and yep. we'll put it to the we'll put it to the crowd. Did he mean to do this? Um, and if so, is immortality enough? Um, and if he didn't mean to, if you say he didn't mean to do it, you will be blocked from the page. <laughs> yeah, if he didn't mean to do it, what's your address? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Letter right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But it is just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I hope we've done that justice in describing it. Um, but if not, mm. have a look on the page through the week and we'll chuck it up. Um, mm. And you can see exactly what we're on about because it is just like I was off, I was on my feet. Um, mm. He then goes on to miss the goal, um, which is a sign of things to come. And it's, uh, it's 10 nil. A little. Mm. Yeah. Um, then there is a sort of a weird patch. Where, so uh, this is 10 nil in 10 minutes and Australia are running mm. away with them. And... Mm. That's about what you would have expected, right? Like New Zealand, Australia have been putting 60 on everyone but England. New Zealand very nearly got beat by Tonga and didn't beat PNG by that much. Um, mm. That is about what you would have thought would happen. 10 nil in 10 minutes and they'll kick away. Um, 
New Zealand make a bit of a recovery. They start getting some possession and they get a penalty in front for holding down uh, and kick a goal. Matthew Ridge kicks a goal to go 10-2. Yeah. Um, can I ask, have you got any thoughts on the concept of taking a penalty goal at 10-0 down in the 15th minute? Yeah, I've got some thoughts on it. Now, Matthew Ridge, you're the captain, be it you or your coach, whichever of you did this, you fucking deserve everything you got in this game, you pelican. Like, the <laughs> amount of penalty goals that this bloke took... Fair income. The game went to extra time. They had about 72 attempts at penalty goal. And if they scored in any of them, they would have won the game. Like, they just got constant penalty goal attempts mm. from stupid positions. Because they, they kicked two here. They go to 10-4. Mm. Uh, my notes have gripe in capital letters, 10-2. And then it just says, why 10-4? Yeah. I haven't even written that it was a penalty goal. Yeah. But they just keep taking them. And it, it will get to each one as they go. Because I find some of the later decisions totally baffling as the game goes. Yeah, penalty goal. These are odd, but they get odder. And but at ten nil, like, and the commentators, this really got up me because it was like they started knocking Andrew Johns' goal kicking, which is really bad, and how good Ridges was, and they were like, oh, they've got a big advantage. I'll tell you, it's a big advantage to have Matthew Ridges. <laughs> they've really got it over the Australians there as he kicks it for ten four. And you're like, yeah, dickhead. But like Australia keeps scoring every time they got the ball. <laughs> they're yeah, coming up right. in fours. Like it's yeah. just a matter of Andrew Duck can't kick the goal if they're going to beat him like thirty to six. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit like you know? that. Like isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Australia's wiping them off the park, and there's a real suggestion that Matt Ridge's goal kicking is the difference. Like at, at ten yeah. four down in fifteen minutes. Yeah, anyway, no, it is bizarre. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen a penalty goal at ten nil. I, I don't think no. that's it. Am yeah, I being unfair? Am I being over the no, top? No, no, it's bizarre. No, I'm with you all the way on this issue. You know, but I mean, you win the game. I mean, I'm the, the last person to ask about this. I yeah. sort of think penalty goals at any more or less any time are a bad idea unless it's like scores level with two minutes to go just try and score maybe don't um, back yourself you know. yeah that's right you know. I never say yeah um, put the one over but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah no it is bizarre that one is for 10-2 the one for 10-4 comes about because Johns mm. puts a kick off dead on the full then there's another penalty for a slow ruck then they get up there and there is a bizarre incident mm. I don't know if you had this in your notes Fiddler gets into this tangle with Stephen uh, with Stephen Kearney. Cross the line knows why. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not what yeah. I would have done. No. But um, Kearney kind of lashes out at him with his hand, gets him with maybe his fingertip and a bit of cuticle. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and Freddie just collapses. <laughs> like, yeah. He's in England. Yeah. Yeah. Like we talk about the, we, we mentioned that this is not the Soccer World Cup. For just a second it is. Because he goes down like he's been shot. He just crumples under the, under the weight of this kind of brush from Stephen Kearney. I mean, Stephen Kearney's a very strong man. Maybe he did, you know, maybe that was the impact that even the fingertips Whoa. of the great man had. If he but swung so, at me and missed, I'd have fainted in sort of just total shock. Well, like, yeah, you'd, have, you'd go into cardiac yeah. arrest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, that, but the work in the tackle that caused Kearney to do that is what the penalty is for. Um, and it's a hell of a kick from Matthew Ridge, actually, really pots this over from about 30 out quite wide uh, and that takes but it why what, but why, why does he of have course. to what why from no, wide sure. out 30 out does he need to take a risky kick to maybe get two on a difficult kick but you're right it's a good kick but why i i, why? I am I, comrade I, I am the choir yeah. on this issue as you well know yeah, um, yeah. all the same I know. All the same. I'm not going to stop but saying the, it. But the irony is, the, the irony yeah. about this is that New Zealand, despite being so risk averse as to take two penalty goals um, at 10 mil and 10 2, 
Um, it's also worth noting that Henry Paul attempts two chip and chases in the first half an hour. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I know which one of them's on the right page, and it's not not whoever took the penalty goal. Yeah, um, exactly. It's um, I, I have I don't know what you've got as your next note, but I've got a bit of a before the third try. I have a little bit of a um, a mark on the game here. I wanted to talk about if you've um, sure. if you don't have it, I've and it's just a, good. It's my first mark on trainers, which we will come back <laughs> to, but yeah. um, trainers. So. At this point, there starts to be the commentators start absolutely losing it about the Australian trainers being on the field, which allegedly was a big thing in the World Cup. There'd been suggestions that Bozo was sending him out with that tactics. And that yep, doesn't and, sound like Bozo. No, no, no. The suggestion was that Bozo was being a bit shifty, buckets, which no, I don't buy at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sending him out on the field with messages and slowing the game down at bad times for Australia and everything. And um, the commentators are blowing it, like saying how disgusting <laughs> it is. And, you know, there's, and the crowd goes mental. It's just this haggard mm-hmm. booing. And what I wanted to say to you is one of the most endearing things about rugby league, and we've spoken about how much I love 90s marathon crowds. We've spoken how much we love various things that have happened at time in history. One of the most endearing things about rugby league fans, one of the great things <laughs> is the hatred they have for trainers. It's one of the most long-standing traditions in the game <laughs> that, like, you know, like, the, it, and I mean, it only reared its head the other year in the uh, the Roosters Raiders grand final when the trainer got hit by the ball. Like, there is That's nothing right. that bothers rugby league fans more than seeing someone in a yellow shirt, or in this case, a, a uniform. We'll come back to, uh, but but seeing the yellow shirt on the field, the trainer on the field at any time for any purpose, nothing gets a man's blood up in rugby no, league no. like that, does it? Nothing That's at all. Oh, what are you doing? Our oh, bloody Alfie no, on the get field, down <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're, people hate them. They're, they're worse than touch judges. People just hate them and they shouldn't exist. The players should be made to get their own water and there should never be a trainer on the field at any time. No, you're right. They, <laughs> they do hate them. It's, very it's, just, it's passionate and venomous. And I mean, I'm all yeah, for it. Get off. It's, yeah, exactly yeah, that's right. right. It really bothers but, people. Who's your favourite yeah. trainer of all time? Oh, the Cougar. The Cougar? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, that's what Ted, Ted Mulry, as Rowan HJ used to call him. <laughs> yeah, yeah Cougar, obviously. There is no other trainer in regular. No, league, that's, that's about right. I was watching, um, never forget Matthew Adamson. Do you remember this? Yeah, the great man, yeah. Remember Matthew Adamson ran, ran the water for Penrith for a few years and he yeah. got caught because he was, um, and he was the cause of, you know, the rule I think now is that mm. they're only allowed to be on the field in defence or there's something. Yeah. He mm. got caught running, like queuing up the runners. So yeah. he was on the field and he was pulling all the Penrith outside backs and like uh, grabbing them by the shoulders and points, standing them where they needed to be for the set play and like pointing yeah. the holes and then the ball oh. came across and they went into score. Yeah, there was there was a series for New South Wales where there was some controversy about that because the allegation was they sent Joey out to call plays and Brett Kamali was playing halfback and there was just a suggestion that that was like not a good dynamic <laughs> for the yeah, on-field a, halfback. That'd be sort of like greatest rival, like in a yellow shirt, barking at everyone. Yeah. Um, what is the rule now? Is it defence or attack? Because I think oh, the, something I forget. There's the time trainers, limit too. Yeah. Because the other thing is that the trainers also kind of point out gaps in defence and that kind of thing, right? So it's, I suppose it's just kind of, it's a scourge. I think it's, Whoever has I the I think ball. it's break and play, break and play or an injury. I think now you have to have an yeah. injury or a break in the play. Um, and the new rule this year that Belandis has brought in is that if a trainer attends you, you've basically got to go off um, or oh. something like that. Like if, if they stop the game, 
like if you stop the game, there's some sort of thing about you actually have to go off or, or I forget what he's changed. So don't quote me on it, but they've made mm. a rule. So yeah, they, awesome. cause the Melbourne started doing it in the finals. Like a team would be roasting down the field away from them and the winger would collapse in backfield 40 metres back and the trainer would call the game and stuff. Like it happened a few times mm. in the semis where Vunavalu would go down and stuff and like the place 30 metres away. So they've, they've put something in the can that. But look, they should just all be, all be shot as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're a disgrace. But um, yeah. before I move on, if I can just finish with you, I'll be putting this on the page. We've spoken about the outfits. <laughs> I've stopped to take a good photo of the outfits. They are wearing best and less tracksuit pants. You know, the yep, grey best yep. and loose trackies that don't fit. They are wearing a bright red Winfield shirt over that. Yep. They're all horribly overweight. They're not ex-players, or if they are, they're proper ex-players, like, <laughs> like 30 years ago, like 10. And they are the trainer version of the KFC old man touch judge. They are so ancient and slow and waddling out onto the field <laughs> 30 years past their prime. They've got no pace. They're no, no, no athleticism. They've just got fat old dudes in, like, genuine, like, you know, Grey track pants from Best and Less that don't fit them with ass crack hanging out and a Winfield yeah. shirt, it's and it's looking fantastic. It is. Good, I want isn't that it? kid. I want that. I'm gonna get married in that. Like, I would good. love to see. I, I'd love to yeah. get one of those jumpers, Winfield Kangaroos yeah, yeah, yeah. '95. Well, well, yeah, we have for the yeah. wedding. You'll be best man in the Winfield Cup. Yeah, well, that's uh, right. One next to me in the trackies. It's wonderful, and good luck to them too. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it is good that. Um, yeah, it is good. <laughs> that, that, Sorry about that as a sidetrack. No, you had to, you had to do it. You had to, and if you hadn't, I would have. Um, at the Andrew Johns misses a penalty in the thirty-fifth minute from twenty out, uh, about halfway to touch. Um, the referee's blowing the pee out of it. There are eleven penalties in the first thirty-five minutes of this game, um, and then shortly after the penalty miss, Mark Coyne goes over, and this is a very soft try. Uh, Jeff Tuvey ducks out down the short side from close range, gives it to Dean Pay. Pay offloads to Coyne. Coyne's got a long way. I mean, he's 20 metres out and kind of puts on a bit of a shimmy and just goes straight through them and crashes over to score. Um, yeah, this, yeah um, it is. It's not great football at all. Um, no, the, the only thing it had going for it was fit, uh, the, uh, leading up to it before the actual play, Fittler made a really beautiful midfield break to get him down there. And that's the story of the half mm. so far. Is that and Ridge knocked try. the ball down. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, would have been scoring. Yeah. That's super, right. Like, Superman across and knocked it down. Yeah, yeah so you've got a first half where Joey longballed a Freddie double under and they score. Then you've got Joey batting on the Beaver. And then this one, you've got Freddie going through and them scoring later in the set. So mm. you, like the difference at the moment is just that class that Andrew and Freddie have had their hands on everything. It's just that, but there's just New Zealand don't really have any answer. It sounds like gears. That yeah. level of player. Yeah. There's just yeah. the ability that when they get down there, they're just, there's too much in the, in the spine at the moment. Yeah. And so John's misses the goal again. That, that by my count is one from four. Yeah. Yeah. Something um, like that. Um, he wasn't a good time. goal kicker. He wasn't a good goal kicker as a young man, Andrew. He got no, very he good late in his career. He was just a shocker when he started. Yeah. yeah. Halftime 14 4. All I've got as a note is international suck. Um, <laughs> which is, that was my note written at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing you've missed is the ref sends off the trainer. Oh, at half to what before half time? Just before half time. Yeah, oh. yeah. I can't believe you've missed this. Just before half time, the ref sends off the trainer. He sent off, not our back. One of the trainers. No, it's, all I've got booing. it here. I think it was after second half. I think it was, was just it? after half this, time. I've got it. I've got it. This just before. It might be just after. Yeah, well, and I've got here. We'll skip to it. Hit make me. of this. Make of this what you will. This is the first act of the second half. Is Australia trainer sent off? And then I've just written, is it Jerry Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, they had Scomo run for the 
front for the Prime Minister's 13 the other year. So it wouldn't right. surprise me if they got Jerry Harvey in the Winfield sort of era, would it? Yeah, I don't know if Jerry Harvey... I mean, yeah, maybe. But it just looked... I, obviously, level, watching it at the so. time, I felt that it looked like Jerry Harvey. Um, but the crowd do absolutely go berserk for that. Um, because yeah, you're right, they've been really goading the trainer. And when they get sent off, you really, you really the, the crowd really do their nana. Um, and fair enough, too. And in the second half, Gazzy... The, the commentary switches to Ray French. Now, we've had a bit of experience with Ray French. Um, I should mention, by the way, that the other treat from the first half is that Greg, La- Greg Clark's co-commentator is Brent Todd. Um, yeah. And I was just expecting yeah. a bit more colour from Brent Todd, I must say, given yeah. some of his other um, yeah. uh, comments which from, from around this time, which have come to light in recent yeah. years. Um, yeah. Anyway, we get a bit of Ray French in the second half, and he's fantastic um, because he's... a kind of bellowing uh you know northern englishman uh and he gets really outraged about things like the trainer mm. um, yeah 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 he's, he is and he's really ardently against australia winning yes really, obviously. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right he gets terribly excited as the events of the second half start yeah. to happen um it's 14 for at half time and like we said it's it's you know it's going a certain way australia are going to probably coast it in new zealand have had a you know they haven't really fired a shot um, they kick another penalty, which is um, a good bit of sense. And in the 45th minute, uh, holding down right in front of the post, 10 points behind. Well, got to go up by two. Um, it's insane. It is insane, yeah. It's, it's totally off message. Mm. It's just completely off message. Anyway, I'll, whatever. And then the moment of the match for me. Um, oh, easy. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Malcolm Riley. Mm. Malcolm Riley spotted in the grandstand. Mm. Yeah. Got it right. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. great man. The great man. I, I, I went I, I went mildly berserk, I've got to say. I wasn't yeah, I, mate. You know, I I just I saw him and I just went Yeah. It's, it's the great you man. Know, yeah, well he you know, we, we make fun of people saying could Malcolm really still do a job, but you know, they signed him to coach Newcastle this I've year. I've been on board. They're coming and put put in some toughness and he started doing, you know, the boxing the front rowers again and yeah, rolling his breath yeah. underwater for two laps of the pool to send a message. You'd be up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and, and look, the thing about like <laughs> one of the things Malcolm's done for me is that um like in this because I'm not very good with English accents, but because Malcolm comes on, the commentator starts going, oh, yeah, here's Malcolm really here to see his Newcastle Knights, like Newcastle. I can't say it very well, but mm. whenever an Englishman says the word Newcastle Knights, I get really, I just love it because it sounds yes, like so Malcolm I... talking about us again. Yeah, the way they say it just gives me Newcastle. that wonderful Malcolm. Yeah, yeah Newcastle. Like, it gives me yeah. that Malcolm feel. Look, he's back. Anyone from the north of England busted out. And um, anyways, it was great to see him. He's, the, he's the, the, uh, the very much the godfather, if yeah. you will. The he's, greatest he's, of all time. Where it begins and ends, Malcolm really was, was wonderful. You, you argue how many other people would have played Andrew Johns in a grand final with a punctured lung and broken ribs. Yeah, well, that's right. Because <laughs> he, he, he'd have fucking played, I'll tell you that. Malcolm, he'd have well, punctured both of them. He could have ripped his you, lung out and he'd have played. If Andrew hadn't been available, he may, he very well, very well may have run out. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, himself yeah. in yeah. the seven, uh, yeah. Mitch Orbison style. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and, and shortly... <laughs> He had a bit to watch too, because inexplicably at halftime, Robbie O comes on for Rod Wishart on the wing, yeah. um, which was I've got to say thrilling to see young Robbie O, sort of real. He was quick, away. wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he quick? Fantastic! Oh, good player, Robbie O. He's yeah, a wonderful he footballer. Yeah, but yeah. he sort of it, people forget. I think non-Newcastle people will probably forget quite how good he was, but um, mm, yeah. He, he's yeah, yeah he, he was. He was a real tearaway back in this time. Very quick, um, good player. 
game. I tell you who else was very quick, Steve Menzies to score this try, and it's oh. again genuine oh. science fiction moonball. Um, oh. This is we'll put this up on the page too. This is just gorgeous. They're on their own. Australia are on their own thirty. Fitler out on the fringe in all of his, you know, when he's just, he's got that big rugged mm. kind of running style. He slams back, mm. turns the ball inside to Johns. Johns, catch, Johns catches and turns it inside almost in one move. Yeah. Sensing, I suppose, that Steve Menzies was there. Uh, and the Beaver gets the, gets the legs going uh, and goes about 60 metres uh, and, and scores next to the post. Matthew Ridge nearly chases him down. He shrugs him off. Uh, and, and Menzies strides out like the big thoroughbred that he was and scores to take it to 18 6, kick to come. Beautiful. Bit again, of playing, uh, again, playing fullback, basically. He gets that ball again off Joey on the inside in exactly the position you would if you were playing fullback now mm. in the modern game, like bursting off the inside. Um, yeah, as yeah, that look, kind of it, spare runner, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, now, in the structured game that they play now, that is always a fullback that bursts on from the inside. It's never another mm. position. doesn't happen. Always fullback. But um, it's Tedesco, it's Pongo, whatever you like. But. That that play, yeah, it's the double switch. It, it's the like Freddie's going one way, Jags back, goes back inside to Joey, who immediately goes inside. You never see a double inside. Like Joey's the inside. They hit Joey on the inside as the inside runner, and he goes again, like as a set play. And Beaver times it perfectly, and he, he scorches him sixty meters downfield. So, look, I, I have here. I've got a Beaver mere culpa if you if you allow it. Oh, um, hello. Will you allow it? I love so, a mere culpa. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very, very rarely wrong when it comes to views for rugby league things. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I was one of those pinheads in the 90s and very much because I really hated Manly. I was a very young mm-hmm. and like aggressive new Novacastrian. Um, mm-hmm. I was one of those players who was like Beaver Menzies. He doesn't even make hit-ups and stuff. Like, he doesn't hit the ball up, make any tackles. He's not forward. Like, he's not, he shouldn't be making rep teams. He's, he was fantastic. Like he's blinding in this game. And, and he, really he was, was a fantastic player. And, but he was a fantastic player. And, and idiots like me are <laughs> pigeonholing what you should play like, like at the end of the day. Because he didn't play like Gordon Tallis or Ben Kennedy or, you know, Ray Price or whoever else you want to do. But, but this, is, this is gone from the game. And it's comments like that from, from, from more you. More influential than me. More influential than me. As if such a thing existed. I mean, you've got a, you've got a podcast. That's right. That's right. But it, it's that sort of idea of what things should look like rather than outcomes that gets us into trouble as a code. It's the idea. Like, as a society, he was, well, he was fantastic. And he keeps lobbing up where you think a fullback should be. And he runs blinding speed tries like a center. And you go, oh, you scored 18 tries this year, but you know, he doesn't take hit ups. And I'm like, well, what's the object of the game? Like, mm. he's scoring. Like, th- we've got to get out of this mindset of what it should look like and appreciate. Like, you see it now in the halves where people go, he can do this, but he can't control a game or he can do that but he can't uh. do this and people bring skills to the table and what they did it what bozo did with he recognized something in this guy who wasn't a back rower coming through they just told him to run at holes like when he made first uh. grade filled in the back row and they said run at holes yeah cliffy will give you the ball it's like, not a bad template that no no it's not and and but like that's what he made a career of running at holes and like Arguably, that's better than running into people. I mean, it sort of makes you better than doing what Spud Carroll does in a way. I know you need Spud Carroll as well, but I mean, running at space is pretty useful. And like he made, he was one of the great players of his era, and his teams were able to be fantastic because he was so good at this. And yeah. you know, um, he need, he's not a guy you couldn't send. It, it, Manly signed Ben Kennedy 
and he was able to lift them because he was that running middle forward when they were trying yeah. to find a way to be better. And, and Beaver couldn't do that. He wasn't that style. If Beaver was trying to run at holes off Jason Ferris, it doesn't work as well. And you have to acknowledge that. But if you put a guy like him, he's an elite player, and you put him with Brad Fittler or Andrew Johns or, you know, yeah. Cliff Lyons. And he's these a wonderful guys, and in this side, isn't he? he? Oh, he just becomes unstoppable because he had this pace and timing and a sense and call him a second rower if you want call it you know pretend he should have played center say he didn't take hit us he was a wonderful footballer and he mm. played second row differently to other people but jesus christ he could play football who cares what number he had on so mm. good but no, nobody runs these lines like that these days he does it all those tries require him to be perfectly timing that and that requires his pace and it requires all of that stuff and, and guys like andrew and freddie must have just been like when you've got him in their team must have just lick their lips guys like that seriously and like cliffy lyons must have just been in love with him like oh, oh my yeah. god like every time i look like that space i want to hit he's just there where yeah, he should he be did. and you yeah, know it's, it's not by coincidence like it's not a coincidence that he scored so often no, he didn't, you know, he played in good sides and all that, but so did lots of second rows. They don't score as often as yeah. him. Um, no, no, no. But, well, you know, wing he had a wonderful sense of timing. Yeah. yeah. Like you can score 20 tries on the wing in a great team and then score five because your team's not good. But back rowers don't score this much just because your team's good. That's just, yeah, it's just nonsense. It doesn't happen, does it? With these sort of no. years, remember we spoke about Ben Kennedy's 17 try season or whatever it was, and it's, it's science fiction. No one else does it, but Beaver did it over and over. Mm. You know, like uh, certainly in the time we've been alive, there has been no better forward at scoring tries and not even close, not even close. 16 tries in 94, 22 in 94, 20 in 96. Yeah. Uh, He even scored 20 in 98 when Manly were not very good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, but anyway, no, nobody, nobody in our lifetime has scored tries like that, and no, in the forwards, and probably nobody since the war realistically no. has been in and that, in that category. Good. So he got 180 mm. tries in 349 games in the NRL, yeah, or in first yeah. grade, and then went to the UK uh, yeah. and played uh, four seasons, five seasons yeah. in the Super League. Played until he was what 40, um, yeah. 58 tries in 128 games in the second yeah. half of his He's 30s. Great. Yeah. He's a freak. His longevity was incredible. He was probably um, his style of play helped. There's probably a bit of a Cameron Smith element to him. The way that Cameron yeah. Smith never seems to get tackled and hit, but even not belting into people sort of meant that he could sort of do all that, mm. you know, for a lot longer and go to the Super League with a fairly fresh spot. You know, I mean, sorry, he was pretty sore after all that footy, but for for how not much footy he played. Way, not in the same way, no, that, that, that your Gordon Tallis, like Gordon Tallis trashed his body by the time he was 30. You know, yeah. like his neck was gone, his leg was gone. And, it, um, you know, it, it wonderful, just a wonderful player and all-time player. He should be very much celebrated. And I hereby take back the pinhead comments of the 90s that I made. And I haven't thought of them for a long time, but this reminded me I needed to mm. own up to it. That's all. Well, you've needed to make things right. That's the, yep. there you go, ladies and gentlemen, the Beaver Culper um, uh, from, from Cassie. Um, Due to the uh, due to the Beavers uh, double in this World Cup semi final, um, making Joey look good always helps in my mind. <laughs> yeah, well, there is also that. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it's, there is a kind of fondness that comes with that. Um, but he scores this try to go to twenty to uh, to go to eighteen six. Johns kicks the goal to go to twenty to six. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then misses a penalty from about forty out in front. Uh, say five minutes later. Why go- did they think he'd kick that? I don't really know. <laughs> he hadn't kicked anything else. Yeah. That would have made yeah. it 20 to 6 and didn't. And that meant that with 20 minutes to go, it was 20 points to 6 Australia in front. Australia mm-hmm. are coasting towards the finish line. 
Uh, New Zealand haven't struck a blow. They've got three penalties to show for their hour of football. Mm-hmm. It's all uh, it's all going to plan for Bozo. Australia are heading to the World Cup final. New Zealand have had a good crack, but they're not going to get there. Yep. Then there is the most astonishing burst of play from New Zealand, who have mm-hmm. shown nothing with the ball in an hour. Yeah. There is a, 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 a play which starts about 20 or 30 metres out from their own line mm-hmm. and ends 50 metres up the field after roughly eight passes, about four of them either offloads or overhead balls. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets them up there, gets them about 25 out from the New Zealand line, uh, from the Australian line, and then a fizzing, spitting spiral from Gene Namu. God, it was good to see Gene Namu again after all these years. Out to game, Gene Namu. Did have a good game. Out to Iroh, uh, who then basketballs it over to Blackmore. Blackmore turns it inside to Richie Barnett. Richie Blackmore. Yeah, and Barnett goes over to mm. score in the corner. It's a great try. It's one of those tries that is great because of not only the play, but the play before the play. Like yeah. it's just, a, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's two rucks, but it is the one yeah. kind of movement and yeah. they get up and go again. And it's still kind of exciting. Yeah. And some of the plays absolutely thrilling. Um, yeah. And it's the first sign of life from them, you know, but suddenly yeah. it's funny. Oh, God, it's a sign of life though, isn't it? Isn't it like just? A, yeah, it's like dead set. They've got the paddles on them and they've just jolted them to absolutely the heart rate's going a miles, million miles an hour. It's fantastic. It's, yeah. it, it's, not, it's not one, there's no one moment you could isolate. You have to watch the whole thing. Like no, there's no right. that pass or that play. It's like, wow, it's just this wave of pass, 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 run, pass, pass, tackle, go again. And, you know, yeah. I, I mean, the Iroh stuff's probably a highlight for me because I get really whipped up by anything by the Iros. But yeah, it's well, you're only human. It's out of this world. Out of it this is. world. It's stunning. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked much about this New Zealand side, but I might just run you through the team. If that, I, I should have done yeah. this at the top. My apologies. Um, this is the team they were running out. Um, and it's helpful to know as we talk about this comeback that they launched in the last 20 minutes. Matthew Ridge is fullback and captain. Uh, Hoppy, Iroh, Blackmore and Barnett across the back line. That's Kevin Iroh. Um, halves of Tony Kemp and Stacey Jones. Former Knight. Former Knight. Yes, embarrassment. Original. 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 Yes, absolutely. Tony Kemp. Mm. Um, about about 15 years or, or so before his stint coaching the Warriors. Um, Stacey Jones in the seven. A very young Stacey Jones, it should be said. Yeah. Uh, and took then over forward, from Wiz mid-tournament. Yeah. He, he took the job. Yep. And then a uh, forward pack, John Lomax and Jason Lowry in the front row. Henry Paul at hooker. Second mm. row is Quinton Pongier and Stephen Kearney and Locke Mark Horro. Bench, Gene Namu, Ruben Wiki, Tony Iroh and Heathrow Okaseni. Um, coached, by Frank, coached by Frank Endicott. Yeah, it is a good pack. And that's probably why they don't get blown apart in the game, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. why it's New Zealand, Australia kind of coasting to the end, not yeah. Australia really running them off the park. Because yeah. they, they managed to they, the the outbursts of play from Australia are fairly isolated. They kind of contest the ruck yeah. well and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is the this try. Um, it takes a little minute for the comeback to really get going. But this try harkens what comes in the last ten minutes. Uh, Matthew mm. Ridge misses the kick to go, uh, which would have taken them to twenty to twelve. Um, mm. So for all the talk of his superb goal kicking, he misses this one from out wide. Uh, and then nothing happens for about 10 minutes and it's in the 71st minute that New mm. Zealand, <clears throat> after getting a bit of possession, find themselves 10 metres out. They get a play of the ball. They swing it right to Namu. Na- uh, uh, yeah, they swing it right to Namu. He switches it back across to Iroh. This time it's Tony Iroh who goes over to score. As the defence starts to slide, he goes straight. He goes over mm. next to the posts. Ridge does kick this goal. 
and with six uh, with about eight minutes to go, it's twenty to sixteen. Yeah, it is really good football. You've described it very well, but to me, the key moment comes just before this. <clears throat> yes, so with ten minutes to go, just before this try is scored, they New Zealand gets a penalty. Okay, mm-hmm. they take the tap. My question is, ah. why didn't they do that earlier? Why yeah. is all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, we're behind by 10 points. We better try and score a try and do. Why haven't they done that the other times? Like, why do it now? Why not stick to the plan? Kick the two. Make it eight. Like, like the point, like, this is, it's like they suddenly realised they needed to make the 10 points up and did, like, yeah. by scoring this try. And I just put to you that if they had done that one of the three or four other times they take penalty goals, they may have won the game. Like, you know? But then yeah. suddenly they realised that it's important to get near the other team's score. You know, we're behind by a lot. We need to tap it here, not take two. Where was that thinking earlier in the game? Goodness knows where they could have been, Gazzy. Goodness knows where they could have been. Yeah. And suddenly, and as you said, out of nowhere, they're full of running. It's like the the final... It's just on now. Yeah. It's just on, and it's a totally different game. And Australia, who have been under really no threat, are suddenly doing a lot of running backwards because the Kiwis are coming for them. And Mm. uh, in the 77th minute, there is a kick that goes dead and Australia had been kind of, there was a lot of holding down and they'd been, the, the referee had been blowing the pee out of the whistle in the second half, mostly blowing Australia. Mm. And there'd been a lot of holding down, a lot of penalties in the ruck. And there's a kick that goes dead. New Zealand pick it up, swing it forward and try and take the quick tap from the 20. Terry Hill comes from a mile offside and just tackles someone and he goes to mm. the bin. And so Australia now are only four points. Yeah. And they've got three yeah. minutes to defend the lead with, two, yeah. with 12 men. That's right. That's right. Look, look, you like to give Tezza the benefit of the doubt. Always. <laughs> you, you wouldn't have liked to think, you know, a brain snap isn't something you can't really expect from, from someone like Tezza. So you like to think no. it's a mistake. Yeah, um, much like the, the, the sort of bloke who'd steal a lobster trap. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think innocent mistake. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. That's right. Um, but, yeah, all of a sudden... Couple of minutes left. Twelve men on the field. They're coming, baby. They're coming. They they are coming. And uh, you know, um, what was his defence when he stole when he stole the lobsters? If memory serves, he um, his defence was that he didn't know what he was doing. Which I <laughs> what did he think he was doing? Well, exactly. I've always thought it was a wonderful sort of explanation for anything. I yeah. just didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, mm. the this is stunning. The last two minutes of this game. This, mm. I didn't enjoy much of this. Mm. There were bits and there were little moments throughout the game that were, were were good and some that were really good. But for the most part, the game is, is I didn't find particularly thrilling. As a you know, there are some think about that eighty five Challenge Cup final where the whole game is exciting and there are things happening mm. all the time. And all, this isn't that, right? No, this is an end game, like the explosion, isn't it? That's this what's is exciting that's it. This is a patchy yeah. kind of match, and then all of a sudden, the last two minutes of this are as exciting and thrilling as anything mm. and and if you only watch two minutes of football in your life it could very well be this and you would think it was a wonderful sport um mm. with two minutes to go iro is tackled in from touch on the right hand side he goes to the middle and the ball goes to the middle so they're about oh, 40 meters out mm. kevin iro is tackled on the right hand side new zealand swing it towards the left it goes through four sets of hands towards the middle. Then it goes back through four sets of hands to the right. Henry Paul gets it. He gets on a bit of an edge and sees half a gap. He gives it to Matthew Ridge. Ridge with lovely hands puts Blackmore away. And Iroh 
uh, and Blackmore puts Ira away from 20 metres out and he's got a clear path to the line and he strides away and there is just... Some of the best commentary comes from just raw enthusiasm and people who are genuine fans of the game just getting overexcited. And, And it's one of the troubles with commentary now that a lot of the people who call football now are kind of professional broadcasters and it's all very neat and tidy and they get all the names right, but there's, they, they miss moments like this because they don't quite have the excitement that you can only have if you've been, if you're a, a kind of mad like Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, Ray French gets this so spot on because the it suddenly opens up for Kevin Iroh unexpectedly, inexplicably. Mm. And Ray French just says, he's going for the line. <laughs> yeah. That's what everybody's thinking, you know? Yeah. It's that, hang on, the line's open. The line's open. He's going to score. Um, and he does. He goes over in the corner. It's the classic rugby league try where the guy sprints mm. down the touchline and everyone in the grandstand's going berserk and the defenders are coming across and it's him. Yep. It's the guy with the ball and the defender and the corner post and they all yep. come together all at once. And it's a try. And, uh, and, and it's Kevin Iroh who scores. And it's 20 all with a kick to come with, 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 a, with a minute to go in the World Cup. The New Zealand skipper. With the New Zealand skipper, the captain of New Zealand has a kick to send Australia home from the World Cup of Rugby League. That's right. Mm. And this, I'll give you the... This is the... I wrote down the progression of the ball. Mm. Ridge, Jones, Kearney, Lowry, Paul... Ridge, Blackmore, Iroh. Hmm. So it's through eight sets of hands. Yeah. Four to the left, four back to the right. And, yep. uh, and Iroh scores. Ridge has a kick to win it. Um, talk us through it, Gazzy. Kick to win from the sideline. Minute to go in the, grand, in, the, in the semi-final of the World Cup. Absolutely shanks it. That's how I'll talk you through it. Shank. Shanks it big time, and can you imagine the look on Arco and Rob Fulton's face when the poster boy, <laughs> when the poster boy of Super League shanks Because yeah. like, we should add the Kiwis decided to take their Super League players. Yeah, um, and um, well, they, they and, went to the Kiwis. Yeah. That's the thing. The Kiwis yeah. in England they went to Super League. Yeah. So so sorry, I should say they elected to play. Yes. Their, they elected to play their ARL players. I should say in reverse, they picked everyone that was available regardless of where they were going the next year. So, yeah. um, that that's more to the point. But um, yeah, can you just imagine Fulton sort of the the um you know the army general and then Arco the head of the game when the Super League not poster just, boy dicks this kick like, not just the Super outspoken, League poster boy yeah. but the outspoken the, the, the outspoken yeah. poster boy who played for Manly you know? yeah 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 and they reckon dicked him like you know yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a fair argument he didn't because he sort of just had a handshake deal with Bozo who really pressured him into it in the back room but nonetheless that's how they felt and um, they must have just gone yeah got that dickhead oh <laughs> like, yeah that's going to be on TV for your whole life mate <laughs> yeah. it's, um, and he's very, he, I tell you what he very very nilly redeems himself and this is the, the, the game. I, <laughs> if this had ha- if only this had happened it would have been enough you know yeah, the, yeah. the beautiful try the great excitement if those games it's one of those games where, you know, you talk about it, the, the, the kind of the mm. charge coming from nowhere. The, the atmosphere also comes from nowhere. It's this yeah. kind of, it's like a, the atmosphere at this game for 70 minutes is like, um, it, it's, it's like local football. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden in the last 10 minutes, it is like, you know where you are. 
Oh, you know where you are, all right. Yeah. It is raucous. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. eighty thousand at Wembley or eighty thousand yeah. or, or fifty thousand at Lang Park or whatever. And yeah. that, and so Australia have to kick off, mm. and the crowd is going absolutely berserk. Australia have to kick off with a minute to go, and so New Zealand are going to get one last use of the ball. And you, you kind of don't think anything of this. And knowing that it went to extra, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is just, they're just going to run a couple of plays and that'll be it. Well, you think they might be a bit deflated? Like just that he missed yeah. the kick and missed it badly, that they just might have lost that mo and they really didn't, wouldn't have done much, you know? It might have been the last shot, be an easy set and call it off and go, you know? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd be wrong. Yeah, I would. Because be. Richie Blackmore, on about the second tackle, makes a break. And it's a huge break. I'm pretty sure, I've gone back and watched a few times, I'm pretty sure he throws off Brad Fiddler. Brad Fiddler goes flying through the air trying to tackle him and misses him completely. And yeah. and it's eventually it's Tim Brasher who makes a really good jarring tackle with the assistance mm. of Robbie O'Davis to bring him down about 30 metres out. They play the ball with about 20 seconds left. They swing it to the middle. to They, they centre it to Stacey Jones who takes a hit up, right? Yeah. Because that's to, to centre the ball, right? And he's tackled, yeah, he's tackled 30 out in the middle of the field. And Matthew Ridge is in position, in the pocket, to take a field goal shot. And it's a long shot because he's going to be about 40 out. But it's kickable mm. and he's a good kicker of the ball. And it's mm. it's a chance they didn't think they were going to have. And what does the dummy half do, Gazzy? What they always do, he just duffs it, mate. Just duffs it. He throws it to Quinton Pongia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's 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 the Darren Smith like in the uh, the Tri Nations, uh, the sorry, the Tri Series final hitting Darren Smith. You yeah, know, like they just find a way to stuff this. But, but, but what next? So the dummy half throws it to Quinton Pongia at twenty all with ten seconds left in the World Cup semi final in field goal mm. kickable position. Pongia showing quite a lot of kind of presence of mind. Now, yeah. Just manages to steady and turn it square to Ridge, who was supposed to get it. Matthew Ridge completely rushed because think about what a field goal is like at the best of times. Mm. Then consider the fact that it's been through a set a set of hands, a prop set of hands. Swings it to Ridge. Ridge is under pressure. He's got people coming at him from every direction, and he's off balance because he hasn't set himself. So he's left footed, falling over. He's a right footed kicker, isn't he? Yeah, he kicks it yeah, off. Yeah, he's right footed. He's a yeah. right footed kicker. He kicks it off his left foot, falling over, surrounded by bodies, completely rushed, and misses by not very many centimeters. No, he absolutely nails it. Really, it's just a literal centimeters away from the post. He's not even straight on. Like he's he's no. to the he's to off the his wrong place. foot, forty off meters wrong... out. Yeah, <laughs> just incredible. He hammers it and misses by that much. There must have been a thought maybe from the dummy half that he didn't have his kicking boots on after the shank and that Quentin might have been in a better spot to kick it. I don't know if that was the thinking, but Red sort of debunked it fairly heavily by wrong standing start, wrong footing it. It was the closest thing I've ever seen to the Benji Marshall 50 metres standing still field goal. It's just incredible strike from a position that people don't kick them from, like with everything wrong. The only one I could think of that was a little bit like... You never see field goals, or you very rarely see field goals go over from someone who wasn't the original intended kicker. Yeah. The, the Braith and Astor one in the yeah, semi-final yeah. is a case of that, where he gets the ball 
after it's yeah. been through some heads and just looks up and just hits it and just on instinct just goes yeah. over. This is yeah. a bit like that, but it's much harder because he's not, there's no pocket. He just gets it at the line and looks up and, oh, I'm just going to have to hit this. And it's so close to being one of the all-time best field goals um, and so close to Australia losing the World Cup semi-final and New Zealand going through to the final. Um, it, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I absolutely could not believe it. Well, it'd be one of the it would be the greatest moments in the history of rugby league to kick that. Oh yeah, to send Australia out. Yeah, freakish and um, yeah, unbelievable. But you know, it, what happens is he doesn't kick it, and ultimately we go to extra time, and um, we'll go through it quickly. But I mean, that's the game. Like that, yeah. that Australia just goes back to what they were always doing in extra time. <laughs> Australia wrestles control of the game again and just beats them with class, and it's not close. It's just it's this twenty minutes when New Zealand just took it on and ran hot and it wouldn't stop no matter what. But that full time siren blew. We went to extra time and it's like everyone remembered. We go, well, hang on. They're not all that good. And Australia's much better. And they just, that's it, isn't it? Once the full time siren goes, all that mo's gone. Yeah. Doesn't it. And it just, it's, 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 they don't look like winning. It's a classic. And Australia, time. and what I've got written here is Australia straight out and full of running. They just come straight out. Yeah. After, they've had their break. They come out and it's back to what it was for the first hour of the game. And the, yeah. And that's it. They just could have. They just could have burgled it on this yeah. bizarre momentum. And once that yeah. momentum stopped, it was back to pound for pound, and they couldn't beat them. Yeah. And um, um, that's about and Australia right. Score, Australia scored two tries. New Zealand try and set up a few field goals. There's one that's um, yeah. Sean Hoppy ends up taking, which I dare say wasn't Good. the plan. Um, yeah. I love the idea of a field goal. Like extra time is twenty minutes, and it's not golden mm. point. Yeah, We're, taking one. Yeah. In the 83rd minute, New Zealand are trying to set one up. In what in what universe would you take a field goal in the 63rd minute if scores were level? Yeah, well, unless Sterlow would okay it, certainly not, no. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, yeah, no, look, an extra time, it's like, I'll skate through it if you like, but it's a fairly, it's not a particularly exciting part of the game in a funny way because it's pretty obvious that it's on, it's just on. I think there's only, I've got two tries and one moment in there, really, and the first is there's a really nice try by Australia. It's a, Oh, yeah. try. Like, it's a passing exchange where Jason Smith offloads the ball. There's, it goes through Terry Hill and a few hands. Jim Dimmick does his classic basketball head over the top. Matthew Johns touch passes it on and Terry Hill goes over to score to make it 24-20. Um, and I, before, you know, there's, there's not too much to say about that other than it was beautiful football. And I'm, I'm going to try and put a few tries up because this one was quite exciting. But um, I think one note I just needed to run by you was that at 24-20, Fulton has made it a heap of changes, some before that try <laughs> yeah. and some after. Um, yeah. And this is, what, this is who ends up on the field at the same time. He takes some of the front rowers off. And Australia at the same time is now running Brad Fittler, Andrew Johns, Matthew Johns, Jason Smith, Jim Dimmick, and Jeff Toovey. Yes, Six of that. the 13 players on yeah. the field. With Robbie O'Davis, who's a full-time fullback on the wings. So, like, I won't include him in that group, but the mental amount of spine players, in particular, yeah. like ag- aggressive ball players on that field. Like, again, let me do it. Fittler, Johns, Matthew Johns, Jason Smith, Jim Dimmick, and Toofy. It's it's insane. Got, yeah. Who are they it, passing to at this point? <laughs> I love it. But, and, yeah. but, this, but if you look at that try, and it's a beautiful, it's a stunning thing to produce in extra time. It's a stunning thing it's to produce try. at any time. It's Jason yeah. Smith on an edge who oh, just yeah. kind of swoops, just hurls this offload, which is incredibly yeah. loose, 13 minutes to go in extra time. Back to Dimmick. Dimmick yeah. just kind of gets into traffic and hoiks it backwards, Leo Dinova style, over his head. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Johns 
snaffles it off like off his laces. Yeah. And then with this lovely little sense of timing that he had, it's a, it's only a little thing, but he, yep. having snaffled that ball off his laces, he just take he just looks up, just takes that extra step to draw the man and puts yep. Hill away, who runs away to score. And I, I did note that Matthew Johns came mm. on for Dean Pay a few minutes earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, stunning thing to produce in extra time. Like it's a gorgeous try. Yeah, I, I think, think you're right. What you're about to say is that like we joke about having them all on the field, but that try scored by a lot of them combining. Like yeah. it's um. They had an idea of what to do. And it's again, I don't like to harp on about games being better or played better or whatever, but the Beaver thing comes back here where I say, you've got all these guys with talents. And today you just pigeonhole that once you had one at six and one at seven and one at nine, that's it. Yeah. And like Fulton was like, these are good players. Let's get them on the bloody football field. And yeah. maybe the, the ball playing lock that's coming back now with Victor Radley and Murray and these guys, maybe that'll start to increase that again. Cause the football's better in my opinion, when it's played this way with more of mm. these guys with skills playing more positions, you know, pass a yeah, move, pass a move. And that's all this yeah. is like, it's just, yeah. it's, yeah. and this is what yeah. we always see. This is what we notice about it. 80s and 90s football mm. is that it is it's so much of it is about being able yep. to spot space. Yeah, playing get, it, playing for the space on the field and running in the holes get, and looking yeah. for the space. Yeah, get the yeah. ball where the space is. Yep. Um, yep. However you do it too, like there's no yep. you don't have to run here or do this. Just look for it and get it there. And just um, the instinct and follow the ball, yep. follow the ball. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's right. Yeah. After that, there's really just Freddie scores. It, it's I called this the money play. Like Brad Fittler gets the ball when they're up by four points in a World Cup semi, and Brad Fittler does Brad Fittler things. He just steps everyone and scores untouched. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's very powerful, isn't it? Back against the grain. Yep. Um, the big if you step. Watch that, yeah. Yeah. No, if you watch that by itself, you'd call it soft. If you hadn't seen Brad Fittler's career and realised how mm. many teams and players he did it to, you know, how he just yeah. made it look like you go, oh, for fuck's sake, like he's just done it again. Like he's just, mm. you know, like not much is doing, but that's money, isn't it? Like he's the Australian captain. He's one of the best players in the world and he got the ball and he just goes, bang, bang, bye. That's the World Cup. See you later. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it comes and Andrew John's of three from eight. Yeah. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, there's there's a moment before that that I think at, at half time in extra time it's only twenty four twenty. Andrew Johns kicks off, and Quinton Pongia. I don't know if you caught this. This kick, he he absolutely mows it, and it's it's stone cold going dead. No, I missed it. Yeah, it's dead. It's going dead, and Pongia catches it in the air above the dead ball line, <laughs> and lands in the field of play. It's he had to. He, he had to kind of contrive a way for it to not be out on the full. You know what I mean? Yeah, good. Good. Um, it's incredible. So they could have actually, they could have had a penalty on halfway with 10 minutes to go to go to try and get back in. Um, but the thing that leads to the Fittler try is that Stacey Jones puts this beautiful kick in and pins Brasher on his own line. And Australia go the full 100 metres and force a drop out at the other end. Um, with things like this, the Johnses throw these wild cutout passes to put Terry Hill away. And then there's this little dinky kick in goal into the in goal from Andrew that forces the dropout. And then it's Fittler getting it across the grain, uh, against the grain with the huge step, then back the other way. Uh, and he just goes around Ridge and scores with so much power. It was just, it was everything that was good, as you say, it was everything that was oh, good yeah. about Fittler. It was that classic Fittler move, size and speed and the big step. Uh, and yeah, John's kicks the goal. He's third of the, he's third from eight attempts. Um, and that's it, full-time Australia, 30, New Zealand, 20. Uh, so, uh, the, the, I mean, extra time is quite the anticlimax. But 
I tell you what's not an anticlimax is uh, the observations of Bob Fulton on full time. I don't know if you stuck around to watch this, Gazzy. No, I missed it. Hit me. Uh, so I, I thought I always watch the end of the coverage. You just never know what little Easter egg might be in there for you. Uh, Bob Fulton, they say to him, he's interviewed on the field after the game, and they say, oh, well, you must be happy. Um, must be happy to have got the win, but New Zealand were very impressive. And Bozo showing all of the, uh, what would you say, the tact and respect that mm. has made him such a beloved figure in the game. And if you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, when you get 9-1, if it's a 9-1 penalty count in the second half, it wouldn't matter who your opposition was. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 I, I believe he tried to get this guy stood down from the final, actually, and they really got stood standover bully tactics and got called out by the international rugby league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just really it's like they've just won yeah. an extra time, and he, all he wants to do is grouse yeah. about the referee. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a stunning game, and I'm glad that we did watch it. I I was yep. for the first hour of sort of going, eh, I don't know about this, but uh, I knew something must happen. Must happen. But the the last five minutes is. Just extraordinary. Yeah, Um, yeah, and Australia, of course, then go on and uh, and win the World Cup final. I think sixteen eight. They sure do. And and Andrew, of course, kicks kicks a few a few very good goals and um, kind of banishes some of the um, some of the ugliness of this game. He had a very up and down sort of game, didn't he? Well, he um yeah. Well, I mean, his play was fantastic, but yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. kick well. But he um, it's good. Let's make the point very quickly on him that he got player of the final. I'm pretty sure, but mm. didn't make team of the tournament despite his team winning the tournament. Him goal kicking and scoring, like he was the leading point scorer in the tournament, was player of the final and was left out of the team of the tournament. I'd like to point yeah. that out. It's like I'd just like to know, be interested in which team was it Fiji or Western Samoa that had a better player and <laughs> Joey. I'm just confused. <laughs> anyway, it's um, funny watching him though, isn't it? Because you see um. The this 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 weird contrivance of him in the nine and Tuvi in the seven. Yes, yeah. um, which I think you want to talk about. Well, I mean, it's fairly obvious yeah. early on that he's doing a lot of the yeah. playmaking and he's doing a lot at first receiver. What what? what I mean, to get yeah. you going on this, what, why do you think they did this? Look, I don't know. Look, for those, uh, we'll call this the Joey myth debunker that I'm going to finish on now. Mm. For those who don't realise, is that Andrew Johns was named at hooker and was, I mean, what's the game for yourself? Andrew Johns isn't playing fucking hooker. You guys have done me half that five times in the whole game. Like seriously. But, but this was a thing that happened. It happened in the 1996 origin series and 97. And it happened in the 95 world cup. It's something that Bozo and Phil Gould did. Um, basically it, they would name Andrew Johns at hooker. They would name Jeff Tooby at halfback and Jeff Tooby would go to dummy half every play. Mm. Um, Andrew Johns would defend in the middle. The theory yeah. was that An- Andrew Johns was a more rugged defender, and it, which is very odd because when we think about them now, we sort of think that Andrew Johns is one of the greatest attacking halfbacks of all time, and Jeff Tooby is one of the toughest people of all time. So moving Jeff Tooby to an edge to make Andrew Johns grunt horse the middle is a very odd thing. But anyway, it is good, isn't uh, it? It's, it, a, well, it's it, a matter I mean, of yeah. how the game was understood differently at that time, where defense yeah, it, was as important as yeah. attack, which I don't think is considered now. No, and look, Joey was very young, to be fair. Like, Joey was mm. great, but they, they saw this young Tyro who did tackle his ass off. He smashed blokes and stuff, and they thought, well, we'll chuck him in the middle. He'll make all his tackles and, you know, then play after that. So that's what they did. And, um, you know, he wasn't playing there. And it's one of the real... Look, it, it, 
there's all these people that whenever you want to hear a knock on Andrew Johns from people that are very ignorant about the sport, mm. it's that he couldn't even be picked at half back. And mm. you show yourself to be a moron. And let me, I'm going to debunk it properly, okay? I'm going to debunk it properly. I'm going to give you Andrew Johns' career at hooker, quote, air quotation marks, yeah, um, and give you some statistics. Okay, so... There's two stints at hooker. There's, a, there's the 90, what we'll call the 95 to 97 period where Australia and New South Wales named him at nine. We'll start with that. Joey played five games for New South Wales across 96 to 97 wearing the, the number nine jersey. And mm. in the 95 World Cup, he did it. In every single one of those games, he defended the ruck at nine with 2B wider, but he played halfback and attack. Um, now it's, you know, as we've talked about he, in this game, it's very clear. He's not playing hooker. He has two try assists and one try involvement. None of them are at hooker. All of them were when he got the ball at first or second receiver, none of his three, you know, two try assists and involvement happen when he's at hooker. No, um, he's so not in it, dummy half. He doesn't play there. But rather than just take our word for it, I can give you the origin stats. I don't have the test stats. I can give you the origin stats. Mm. Um, this is cop this. He had five games at hooker in 96 and 97. Five, I've told you that. Mm-hmm. At hooker, in those games, Jeff Toovey has 450 dummy half touches and Andrew Johns has 16. Five <laughs> games. There you go. But Andrew Johns touches the ball at dummy half three times on average while wearing the ball a game at number nine. Jeff Toovey has 450, not 415 if I said that, 450 mm. touches. So he's not playing hooker so for everyone who goes oh blah, blah, blah. when you say well he's not that good he couldn't even get be named at halfback no he was that damn good he could play halfback while defending in the middle of the front rowers making 35 tackles yeah. now that is the end of it but to be fair look you know if you're dumb enough to just not believe me and sneer away with some mm. stupid comment again then <laughs> i'm going to be fair i'll be fair let's look at 99 and 2000 the only other time that andrew johns wasn't named at halfback in his rep career yeah. so Andrew Johns played hooker and 5'8 at the end of season test in 1998. Um, Andrew Johns, leading into that, had had a very serious groin injury. Um, you, I don't know if you remember watching the 98 final series. He couldn't run after players. He shouldn't have really been playing. He couldn't run after players down the field and everything. Um, there was a breakaway try in a game we lost to the Bulldogs that knocked us out where he just couldn't chase. He turned around, couldn't chase anyone. Um, but they wanted to pick him in the test side anyway, so they played him at hooker, and he actually played hooker in that test. Mm-hmm. And in the other test, they moved him to 5'8 for Alan Langer who just won the grand final and was a fantastic player. Joey was three or four years into his career, early 20s, you know, um, yeah. and that's fine. 1999, Andrew Johns, you know, this is when Brett Kamali starts playing test football, right? In 1999, Joey didn't play the test because he was injured. So, yes, Brett mm-hmm. Kamali did play. Andrew Johns won the golden boot as the best player in the world without playing in the test. So, you know, take of that what you will if you think Brett Kamali beat him to the spot. He was injured and he was named as the best player in the world. Um, in 2000, he was out injured and he, re- he wanted to make the test side and he was out injured with a really serious groin injury. He couldn't run. And he said, I want to make the test side. So he came back early when he shouldn't have been playing and played two games mm-hmm. at, at halfback for Newcastle and said, I want to make the test side. I want to be the test halfback. Played the two games, the Knights won. And the test selectors said, we'll pick you, but we'll pick you at hooker. And he then withdrew from the test and said, I'm not up to, I can't play 80 minutes in the middle at hooker. Mm. Um, And some have said that was a dummy spit and I'll leave that for people to decide. I'm not here to defend everything he's ever done. Um, It may well have been a dummy spit, but he's not the sort of guy I don't think that would have wanted to miss the test, to be frank with you. He might have dummy spit and played, but Mm. in any case, he was named at hooker, but he'd been very seriously injured. Um, And then 
in that same year comes the time that he played hooker for New South Wales properly. And what happened there was he hurt his ankle. Um, he missed about six weeks of football and he came back for two games off surgery. He had two games post-surgery for the Newcastle Knights and they were saying he's underdone, he's not ready to go. And they went, you know what, we need him anyway. And they picked him in the 14th and they picked Noddy at halfback and they picked him on the bench. Um, he, in those two games from the bench with no club football under his belt by three games, he had three try assists and one try. So what I say to you is in the two times ever he was moved for Brett Kamali in origin, coming off a serious ankle injury, he did play hooker. And if you think three try assists and a try from hooker in two games at, in his entirety of career, if you think that hurts his legacy, best of luck to you, Peon. Because <laughs> that, because uh, if you think that that time he was so badly injured that they said, we can't do without him, but we've got to get him in somehow. Let's just pick him on the bench unfit. And, you know, he had three try assists from hooker and a try across the two games and was absolutely dominant. If you think it hurts him, you can have it. The rest of his career, half back the whole way, and indisputably, nobody at that time thought Brett Kamali was better than him. I was there. Didn't happen. It is a quirk <laughs> of history. It is a quirk of history that he was named at hooker and played halfback. You can't argue with me that because he didn't touch the ball at dummy half in all those games. And those couple of years later, he had two serious injuries, was limping back from them when the games were picked and they slotted him in there somewhere anyway. That is what happened. And for the rest of his long and distinguished career, he was never challenged for that position. Myth debunked. Andrew Johns was not moved to hooker. Andrew Johns was always, when available and everything was picked right, was played at halfback. And I'll tell you what, you want to give you one? There is that time he moved to 5'8", you could argue that that was for Alan Langer in 98. And, I mean, Alan Langer was dropped for Ricky Stewart in the early 90s. Jonathan Thurston was dropped for Ben Hornby once by Ricky Stewart. That's a true story as well. Cooper Cronk couldn't get past Thurston. There is various times at various people's career that there's another great player around in their shifted position. Is that particularly unusual? No. End of. Ladies and gentlemen, we what you have just heard is uh, one of the abiding <clears throat> one of the abiding passions of Gazzy's life. Uh, the defence of Andrew Johns in the face of. Uh, you know, ignorance. Spurious complaints. Spurious, spurious complaints, ignorance, uh, falsehoods. Uh, and, and, you know, it is his life's mission, and I'm glad that he's out there because if it wasn't him, it'd be, it'd be, if, if it wasn't you, it'd be me, Gazzy. Well, I shouldn't have to defend it. Like, I no, shouldn't I have know, to defend it because people shouldn't but, say know, things they don't know stuff about. It's this post-truth, post-fact world we live in. It is. Um, it is, it's just fake. It's fake news. They, anyone who says anything about him playing hooker and that he was picked at hooker behind all these people should have their Twitter account shut down. <laughs> That's a Facebook good and Twitter stepping in. We put this is not necessarily accurate. You know, yeah, yeah, the yeah, election yeah. result was this: two v touched the ball four hundred and fifty times. Put in by Twitter under as a little footnote. Yeah. Anyone tweets about this? <laughs> oh goodness me. According well, to the Electoral College, 450 touches to 16 at dummy half. Jeff Toomey. Stop the count. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and thank you for joining us on this, on this yeah. journey. I hope those of you listening at home, such as you are, uh, have enjoyed this journey through the 1995 World Cup semi-final. Apologies for the, the gap between episodes. Uh, Christmas and summer rather got the better of us, but we'll be back more regularly over the next few weeks, and we'll be back much more regularly once the football season starts. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's coming. It's coming quickly now. It's only about a month and a bit away. So after this terrible two months off we've had, uh, the football's very nearly back. But until then, you've got, uh, you've got old football to fall back upon. 
uh, we'll help any way we can. So, Gazzy, unless you've got any final thoughts, let's sign off from the Rugby League Cemetery. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, and I apologise for that. that, that I, I, I don't apologise. Thank you. <laughs> See you next time from the cemetery. Bobby Fulton, not been in this situation for a long time. Henry Paul again, gets a good pass out to Matthew Ridge. Oh, and he's going for the...